It's July the 11th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Here we are in July, almost the middle of July, and we are coming near to the middle of the book of Acts. More about that in a moment. Got this note that was a great encouragement to me. A friend said, I'm so glad these videos are archived. I can go back next year and follow you again. This is great. That's exactly why we're doing this. We are archiving the videos so that, uh, well, so that next week, next month, next year, anytime you want, if you want to go back and start in January and go through next year, all the way through, you can do that. If five years down the road or 10 years down the road, uh, you want to do it, you want to go through Nehemiah or Psalms or Second Corinthians or Revelation or Ezekiel, whatever it is, is going to be here, God willing, on the internet, 24-7, 365, on Rumble, on Facebook, on YouTube, as long as the internet exists. So we're glad uh, that you can have access to this. And just a reminder, we know most of you, many of you, didn't start in January. That's okay. Wherever you are, just pick up with us. You can go back and the, the videos that we've already done, you can watch them anytime. Now, the book of Acts today, we're in chapters 10, 11, and 12. The book of Acts is really the answer to the question, what happened to the Jesus movement after Jesus went back to heaven? Luke, the gospel of Luke, gives us the answer to what happened when Jesus was on the earth? Acts now is the second part. What happened to that movement that Jesus started, that he created? That supernatural movement, what happened after he went back to heaven? In some ways, we could call the Acts of the Apostles, we could really call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because it's going to tell us how this tiny handful of believers in Jerusalem after Jesus ascended into heaven, how it became a worldwide movement. That is why the book of Acts starts in Jerusalem, but it ends in Rome. That's a significant way of saying that God always intended for the church to go with the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, today, chapter 10, a man by the name of Cornelius, a Roman centurion, is going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is the extension of the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now through Cornelius to the ends of the earth. He is, a, he is the first fruits of the gospel expansion into the Gentile world. So we begin to read Acts 10. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, standing, staring at him in awe. He said, what is it, Lord? The angel told him, your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier who was one of those who attended him. After explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, 
Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth, earth and the birds of the sky. A voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean. Again, a second time, the voice said to him, What God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. While Peter was deeply perplexed about what the vision he had seen might mean, right away the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are here looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, the one you're looking for. What is the reason you're here? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to hear a message from you. Peter then invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got out, he got up, and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. The following day he entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. Peter said to them, You know, it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, four days ago at this hour, at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Just then a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, Send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also called Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. So I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all in the presence of God. Hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil, because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet, they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that through his name 
everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. So now, Acts 11, the gospel has broken through the Jew-Gentile barrier. The gospel has broken through in a big way. But you still have a lot of people down in Jerusalem, the leaders of the Jerusalem church who don't know about this. What are they going to say? Acts 11, the apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began to explain to them step by step. I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now, this happened three times, and everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them, just as on us at the beginning. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? When they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God saying, so then God has granted repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles. Now, those had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. 
In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. So, now the gospel has broken through in a huge way. I think of it as like those uh, dikes, you know, uh, they're, they're, as they begin to break, and the dams begin to break, when the wall begins to collapse, and suddenly the rushing torrent of the gospel now, it has broken through into the Gentile world, and, and first with Cornelius and with his household, and then uh, Cyprus and Phoenicia, and especially in that hugely important city of Antioch, which was, you know, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Galilee, you just go straight north through through modern-day Lebanon. You go north that way. Eventually, you come to that ancient city of Antioch. The, 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 now the gospel is exploding in the city of Antioch. What's next? What is next? You can bet. You can bet the devil's going to try to counterattack. And here comes his counterattack. Acts chapter 12. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain the Lord had sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said. And he left and went to another place. Just hold on to that verse. He left and went to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution 
Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Together they presented themselves before him. After winning over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedroom, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. The assembled people began to shout, It's the voice of a god and not of a man. At once, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God spread and multiplied after they had completed their relief mission. Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. I uh, made a point of saying in Acts chapter 12, verse number 17, the last words of Peter in the gospel, in the book of Acts, tell these things to James and to the brothers. He said, he left and went to another place. What that certainly means is, if Herod found him, if the guards found him, if the Jewish leaders found him, he'd be put to death immediately. So for his own safety, under cover of darkness, he slipped away. All we're told here in the book of Acts is he went to another place. He slipped, I believe, out of Jerusalem, went to some other city. There he continued to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what you need to know is after verse 17 of Acts 12, Peter just disappears from the narrative. Remember what I told you, book of Acts, two great personalities, the apostle Peter chapters 1 through 12, and now we're going to pick up the story in chapter 13, the Apostle Paul, chapters 13 through 28. Two different men, two completely different personalities, uh, two different callings, that is, in terms of where God called them to or the people God called them to preach to. You have both of them great, great men. Let me just say this. I've pointed this out already, but say it again, Tertullian blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, so you, uh, James, John's brother, is executed with the sword. Then he throws Peter, Herod does, throws Peter into jail. It's Satan's sharp counterattack. What an awful thing that James should be executed that way. He'll lose his life that way. At this point in the story, as long as Peter's in jail, it, uh, it just looks like the bad guys are winning. But then here comes the angel. The angel of the Lord comes and wakes up Peter and gets him out of there. And uh, in the story, the knock at the door, and here comes Rhoda. <laughs> Many great sermons have been preached on that passage when the answer is knocking at the door. The very thing the people have been praying for, they couldn't believe it when the answer finally came. Herod, Herod lifted up with pride. God got even with him. Um, in the end, he didn't give the glory to God. He was eaten by worms and died, but the word of God spread and multiplied. My friends, my friends, the devil can attack. He can attack and he does attack. He attacks from the outside. He sows dissension on the inside. He tries to get Christians fighting with each other. He tries to stir up hatred against the church of Jesus, and he does. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Against it. At the end, 
of Acts chapter 12. The church has been established in an explosion of God's power on the day of Pentecost. The gospel now has spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. It's broken through into Gentile territory, and now hundreds and thousands of Gentiles are believing the gospel. And this Christian movement, which has started 100% Jewish, now is about to change. It's about to change this way. It's about to become hugely Gentile. Because God always intended, He always intended that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. Let me just wrap up this, give you this, this word of encouragement. When Peter was preaching to uh, Cornelius and to his household, he said, all the prophets now bear witness that anyone who believes in him, meaning Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, male or female, American, Indian, Iranian, Azerbaijani, French, Polish, Slovakian, Hungarian, Algerian, Vietnamese, Indonesian. It doesn't matter. To him, all the prophets give witness. All the prophets bear witness that anyone who believes in him receives remission of sins. What that means is God will grant forgiveness on the single and simple condition of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how simple is the gospel of our Lord. Oh, how simple. You're not going to meet anyone today who is disqualified. Anybody, anywhere who believes in Jesus can be saved today, tomorrow, and forever. So, my friends, Rejoice in the simplicity of the gospel, and let's be busy sharing the good news. Go out and have a great day. Come back tomorrow. We're going to see the beginning of Paul's great ministry in the book of Acts. See you then.